look back over the years and say, Lord, I'm grateful. I'm sure some of y'all in here right now looking good. And you can maybe remember a day of being over in Baptist East or Norton Suburban. And you can just look around and say, Lord, I'm grateful. Could have been a whole lot of places. Instead of worshiping the Lord God. So, Lord, I'm grateful. I can remember being a child and my God, Brother Newby, was wrapped in pig skin. And you had to throw it or run with it and get it 100 yards to get a touchdown. I woke up thinking about it. Then I got my license. I remember when my guy was on those four wheels. <laughs> and so to be in the house of the Lord on a, Saturday, on a Sunday afternoon celebrating the life of two congregations, I'm just mighty grateful. Mm. I want to thank your pastor for this kind invitation, and we at Watson surely celebrate with you. And we challenge, we challenge you to courageously move forward in the faith. I want to read our scripture in a moment, but I just can't help but thank the Lord. I was reading in your theme scripture, and this morning at Watson, we were talking about who has persuasion with you. And the 19th verse says, the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they were able to persuade the crowds. And they persuaded the crowds to stone and drag out of the city the man of God, Paul's apostle. And so you see, my brothers and sisters, it matters who has your ear and your mind to persuade you? I'm so delighted to be here today because you have a pastor who honors Christ, who loves the word, who has personal integrity. And so I really want to encourage you members to let him and the leaders that he places, let them persuade you. The world, the flesh, and the devil want to persuade you. And I want to earnestly plead on the church of Christ that you allow the people of God to persuade you. They were persuaded and they threw the apostle out. And the 21st verse says, when they had preached the gospel to that city, that's what I want to talk about, preaching the gospel. If you would, turn your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I feel that a, a, a special challenge this afternoon. 
I've eaten at Forest before in the morning. But when you come to sunrise service, they feed everybody after church. We done already had service when we eat at sunrise. Now, this thing here, they feed y'all before. So, so I know what's going on with you. <laughs> and, and we got to get away from hypocrisy in the church and acting like we different than anybody else. So I know what's going on with you because it's going on with me. <laughs> Y'all telling y'all selves, the shorter he preached, the faster I can get home and relax. And I'm telling myself, the shorter you preach, the quicker you can get home and relax. I know, I know what's going on with you. So let's stand together, and I want to read a few verses And I want to encourage you to listen to me because I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and I don't know if many of you would have that. And so you can look along, but I want to encourage you to listen as I read verses 12 and following in the New Living Translation. 1 Timothy chapter 1. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. This is a true saying. And everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I was the worst of them. But that is why God had mercy on me. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach about the real deal. The real deal. In verse 21 of your theme scripture says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. If we're going to be about the great commission, if we're going to be about doing what God has called us to do, somebody has got to be real about the gospel. Somebody's got to be not ashamed to proclaim in a real way who Christ Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs no modifier in front of it. 
So we don't need to focus on a social gospel or a liberation gospel or a black gospel or a white gospel or a health gospel or a wealth gospel or a Baptist gospel or a Methodist gospel. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't say this out loud, but if you want a modifier in your mind to kind of help you focus, think to yourself, I want to preach the real deal gospel. I want to preach what God has really done in my life and who God really is in my life. Well, what are we doing if we're not preaching the real deal? We proclaim in a lot of stuff. Paul tells Timothy earlier in chapter 1, I want you to stay away from fables and myths and fa- other such things. In the fourth verse, he says, stay away from genealogies and endless fables and myths and things that minister questions rather than godly edifying of the faith. I, I want you to stay away from so much speculation. I, I want you to stay away from all this makeup stuff and new age stuff and everybody's trying to bring together something new. Paul said, I, I want you to stay away from that because brothers and sisters, what we really declare is the same old story. We declare the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And Paul says, there's always going to be people trying to make up new stuff. There's always going to be people trying to say something that's fast and flashy and uh, appealing to the ear and appealing to the flesh. And Paul says, stay away from that stuff. Avoid endless genealogies, fables, and myths. They know this at Watson, but I don't know if y'all know it at Forrest's. Stop getting y'all spiritual instructions from Oprah. I mean, she can give you a new car. She can give you an iPad, but she can't give you eternal life. Stop getting your spiritual instructions from these news reporters that do specials on Jesus at Christmas and specials on Jesus at Easter. And, and, and stop getting your spiritual advice from your Aunt Bell who don't know nothing about the Lord. He says, stop getting caught up in endless fables and myths. Things that make people scratch their head more than things that just basically declare the simple, plain work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not for the intelligent over the unlearned. The gospel is not for the rich over the poor. The gospel is for everyone of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. And Paul says, preach the plain gospel and stop getting distracted with all this kind of funny stuff. Ministering questions rather than clear edification or clear glorifying of Jesus Christ. But there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's another kind of teaching he wants to avoid also. He says there in the uh, seventh verse, he wants to avoid those people who are teachers of the law, but don't even understand what they're really teaching. Pastor said, you all in the book of James and we are in the book of Galatians. And 
in James, James reminds us that faith without works is dead. And we certainly want to avoid being hearers of the word and not doers also. Because if we do those kind of things, we deceive ourselves. But even as we maintain the law of God and we are instructed in righteousness by the law of God, we must always remember that we are not justified by our ability to pursue the law of God and keep godly works. We are justified totally by the work of Jesus Christ. Paul says that these people go around proclaiming the law of Moses. These people go around trying to lay burdens on people. These people go around trying to act like they're so religious and these people are legalists. These people are fundamentalists and traditionalists and they want to make everybody think that they are better than everyone else. And Paul says, don't be like that. As a matter of fact, in many cases, these people who are firm proclaimers of the law and want to preach it in a way where they are looking down at everyone else, in many situations in the New Testament, Paul will accuse those people of being hypocrites and not even trying to teach to keep the things that they teach. Do you tell other people, don't commit adultery, and you commit adultery? Do you tell other people, don't steal, and you steal? Do you tell other people don't lie and you lie? Do you tell other people don't murder and you murder? Paul, Paul, Paul says we don't proclaim the law to unbelievers and make it seem like we are perfect keepers of the law. No, no, no. We proclaim the real deal, the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's easy for me to not be a, 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 a law preacher, Sister Tina. If anybody in this place got a real mirror in their house, and not, not one of those funny mirrors. You know how you go to the state fair, and they got those funny mirrors, and it makes you look other than you really are? But if anybody got a real mirror, and you can really see yourself, you know we ain't got no business going around proclaiming the law. Because every day we can think of ways where we sin and come short of God's glory. Every day we can hear the law telling us we ought to be condemned and on our way to hell. Every day we can hear the Bible saying that the wages of sin is death. And every day we can say, I've sinned, so I deserve death. So we sure enough don't go around proclaiming salvation is in keeping the works of the law. Because if it was in keeping the works of the law, none of us would be saved. So we don't preach myths. And fables and endless speculations. We don't preach the law in a way that makes it seem as if one is right with God by keeping the law. And we are an example of how you do that. I hate it when people fall. It brings reproach upon the church. When people fall... It makes it more challenging for men of integrity like your pastor. Because people out there in the world, they don't distinguish between what's going on in Atlanta and what's going on at Forest. They just say, oh, that's some old church folk. Some of this is God exposing us. We can't play with the gospel. And the Bible says what's done in the darkness will come to the light. And God only has so much tolerance for our hypocrisy. When we preach the law, when we preach the law as the means of salvation, we're putting ourselves up on a level that you and I know we just don't meet. 
So if we preach the real deal, then we don't have to worry about being hypocrites. If we preach the real deal, then we preach in the gospel about what Jesus has really done and who he's really done it for. See, the, God, the gospel ain't that good if he saved folk that really didn't need all that much saving. But the gospel is showing up good if he slays, saved low-down, dirty dogs who are sneaky and inconsistent and unfaithful and unreliable. If he saved those kind of folk like that, I mean, grace is amazing because he saved a wretch like us. If we, was, if we had it all together, then grace wouldn't be that amazing, but we were wretches. Grace is amazing because we were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. But in order for people to appreciate grace, we got to preach the real deal. What he's done and who he's done it for. Y'all ever been sharing the gospel or you ever been inviting somebody to church? And they say, well, I'm going to come to church when I get myself together. That, 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 that means we ain't doing a good job of proclaiming who he's done it for. Because evidently, they out there got the impression that we in here got our stuff together. And if those people out there think that we got our stuff together, then we're not clearly proclaiming what he has done and who he's done it for. Well, Paul, 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 Paul is going to break it down. Timothy is his protege. Timothy is a young pastor that he is mentoring. Timothy looks up to Paul. I, I mean, isn't that a classic position of respect and honor where, where, where if Paul wanted to, he could just kind of keep playing the role? But this young pastor who greatly respects Paul, Paul gives him the real deal. told our church this morning, church anniversary, sometimes we've been used to like getting in the strut position. No, it ought to be a time when we get in the humble position. I mean, I understand God preserving 142 years or 47 years of faithful gospel preaching gospel-loving Christians, but he done preserved 142 years and 47 years of us. <laughs> yeah, who are us? Who are we? Here we go. How thank This is the 12th verse. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him, even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Mm. Paul tells the young man who highly respects him, I don't even deserve to be where I am. Paul tells the young man who respects him, I don't deserve 
to be a servant of the Lord. He has placed me in this place of ministry, even though I used to try to harm the church. Paul used to stand outside the door, wait for us to get out, see who we could pick a fight with. Paul used to stand outside the door with a group of guys and gather up rocks and stones and say, when they come out, I want you to start throwing the rocks at them. And so while the young man could look at Paul and say, ooh, one day I want to be an apostle like him. Ooh, one day I want to be the apostle to the Gentiles like him. Ooh, one day I want to be the mighty, mighty man of God like him. Paul said, hey, hey, hey. Come here, young buck. Let me tell you the real deal. Let me tell you who God is using. God is not using me because of who I am. God is using me in spite of who I am. God is not using me because I deserve to be used. God didn't use me because my resume was so good. God used me despite who I am and my background. Paul's giving a real deal picture of who he is. We can't share the gospel with unbelievers if we don't give a real deal picture of who we are. We can't share the gospel with young people if we don't give a real deal picture of who we are. Well, one of the things this younger generation really wants is authenticity. They, they want to see people who are real. We can't walk around making people think we think we perfect. We think we serve a perfect Christ. We think Christ is perfect. We think grace is perfect. But, but the grace of God has appeared unto us, teaching us how to deny ungodliness. Teaching us. We're still in the process. My pretty daughter's back there. Sometimes we go to the store together. And... Uh, She's been with me sometimes when uh, you bump into somebody in JCPenney. They don't know about the product. They don't like people. And you feel like, why you work here? <laughs> they don't know how to work the register. And a good time or two. My daughter has seen my teapot boiling. And she'll just grab my hand or something, or she'll look at me and say, Daddy. I mean, like, I think you get to, I think that teapot gave you the whistle. So how I'm going to walk around discipling her and telling her about the goodness of the Lord, trying to come off like the goodness of the Lord is manifested in us and you ought to be good as I am. She knows I ain't perfect. She knows that I'm not doing everything at every level that the Lord has called us to. The Bible says in your anger, in your anger, don't sin. She knows I was about to sin on that lady.
as we share the gospel, can we tell people the real deal about us? Christ Jesus has saved us, and we were <laughs> and are some work. Further on, oh, verse 14, oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. Now, I was messed up. I'm still in a lot of ways messed up. But we want the real, we want the unbeliever to know that Christ really has done a work in me. I'm not in heaven yet. We're not at perfection yet, Sister Bussy. But Christ has, yeah, really done a work in us. He says in the 14th verse, he filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. Before we were messed up on our way to hell, getting more messed up day by day. Now, we messed up. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? No, nah, no, nah, you still messed up. But on your way to heaven and getting less and less messed up day by day. You hear the other way, I say getting more and more messed up day by day on your way to hell, but getting less and less messed up day by day on your way to heaven. What's the difference of getting more and more less messed up and less and less messed up? It's the fact that in the 14th verse, Christ has done a real work in us. Filled us with faith. Filled us with love for Christ. But the faith that we have in Christ Jesus, as you are studying in James, and the love that we have for Christ Jesus is working itself out in our lives day by day. And so John the Apostle says it like this. What kind of love has God bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God? Now, he wants you to understand this overlapping twofold thing. Uh, 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 at the seminary, we call it already not yet. In the Pentecostals, the charismatic, already not yet. Stuff, 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 stuff that has already happened, but it's not all the way yet manifested. But you know it's happening because you begin to see the results of it. It's not a, it's not a, woo, it's not a false positive. My wife had one chance to make me play the fool and fake me out. Ah, oh, I think I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're a man, that just makes you feel real vital and alive.
And then, oh, my bad. And I was like, Remember my Pac-Man used to die? So the next time she said, brother newbie, I was like, well, uh, okay, yeah, that's nice. Because I wasn't going to start getting happy until I began to see some evidence, some proof. Now, 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 what you see in month one or two or three is not what you see in month four or five or six which is not what you see in month seven, eight, or nine. But it's a reality. <laughs> it's a reality at the beginning of the process, but you see the fruit and the development over time. Well, Paul says God has really filled me with faith and love right now, but you're going to see the development of it over time. The real deal is that we are truly saved. We are truly fully filled with the Spirit of God. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. We have all of the Spirit of God. We have all of the promises of God. We have all of the goodwill of God, but we see it working out in our lives over time. And so, Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul, Paul further says, he who began a good work in us shall complete it. And so all of us are somewhere in between beginning and completion. And as long, as long as you somewhere between beginning and completion, you can't look down your long or your wide or your whatever kind of nose at nobody. Because until we reach completion, you aren't wearing any kind of halo and you have the same clay feet and the dusty feet that all of us have. And so the real deal acknowledges who we really are. But it also acknowledges that Christ has really done a work in our lives. No, I'm not asking you this evening, are you perfect? But I am asking you, are you on the assembly line? I am asking you, are you getting less and less messed up or more and more messed up? I am asking you, are you dying to the flesh day by day and strengthening your spirit? Or are you feeding the flesh and dying in your spirit? He says further in the 15th verse, this is a true saying. King, King James says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. This, this is the equivalent of Jesus saying, verily, verily, I say unto you. This is Paul saying, pay attention to this. Jesus Christ, pay, 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 let, let, let me get the whole thing, pay attention to it and believe it. He, he, he said this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptations. That means pay attention to it and believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I was the worst of them all. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If we will proclaim the real deal about who we are, if we will proclaim the real deal that Christ really has done a work in us, then that will allow us to be able to proclaim the gospel and have a loving effect on real people in the real world. Sometimes we aren't effective in preaching the gospel because we preach a fairy tale gospel in a real world. We act like we don't understand the realities of humanity. We act like we don't know how to preach the gospel to somebody who's on drugs. We act like we don't know how to preach the gospel to a promiscuous woman or a skirt-chasing man. We act like we don't know how to preach the gospel to a gambler or a thief or a liar. We act like the gospel is good news for pretty folks sitting up in church who think they got their life halfway together. The Bible says that the faithful saying we can never forget is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So the church's mission, the church's focus, the church's love, the church's prayers must be directed towards the lost. I like it in here. I mean, when you did the renovation, it looks nice in here. It's comfortable in here. But we can't live in here. Christ didn't come for us to focus in here. Christ didn't come for us to clamor up in here. This is a true saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So you need to know these streets. You need to know Newburgh. You, you need to know Indian Trail. You need to know this elementary school over here. You need to know the boys club. You need to know these neighborhoods. You need to know the nice ones and the rough ones. You need to know things other than what's going on inside this building because Christ didn't come to just for us inside this building. He came for those on the outside of this building so they could be drawn by his grace into this building. He came to save sinners. And that won't be our focus if we don't think about and talk about the real deal about who we are because if we don't talk about the real deal we're going to think it's a great big difference between us and them and not realize that the only difference between us and them is the grace of God so I don't, I don't have any I don't have any downward looks this morning for Eddie Long. I don't, I don't have any proud looks for anybody who falls in sin. I, I try to remember the New Testament saying, you who think you standing, take heed lest you fall. I don't laugh when I see a wreck on the side of the road on a rainy day. Uh, matter of fact, Brother Ruth Seals, I, I, take, I, I, I pat my brakes, make, make sure my stuff all right. 
I don't laugh at the car on the side of the road. I pat my brakes. I don't laugh when I ride by somebody broken down on the road. I check my panel, make sure none of my warning lights are going on. Falls hurt the church. Hypocrisy and being exposed, all those kind of things hurt the church. But, but it's never time for the people of God to get, get arrogant and puffy. Oh, that ain't me. That ain't me. No, no. It, 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 it's a t- j- just go ahead and p- p- pat your break. Uh, make, it, make sure your thing working. Make sure, make, make sure that you can slow your roll in the face in the midst of temptation. And be careful about being arrogant about well-known people. God said, oh, man, I can't believe what Tiger Woods did. I know you can't. You ain't got no money and you ugly. Ain't no woman ever offer you nothing. Be, be, be careful about ju- judging how people fall the temptation that you know nothing about. I know folk lose their head. I know folk lose their head with a hundred members. It's a lot of temptations, a lot of things going on with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. What we look at and what we remind ourselves of is that the real deal is that all have sinned and come short of his glory. And we are just as messed up as anybody else apart from the grace of God working in our lives. Let's preach the real deal gospel. He reminds them again in the 14th verse. He already said this before in the 12th and 11th, 13th verse. He says them again in the 14th verse. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I was the chief of them. Well, well, why did God do this? I mean, have you ever wondered why God uses messed up folk? When I was in Chattanooga, I had a friend. <laughs> He graduated from high school, and he used to work at a bakery. McKee, place to make Debbie cakes and moon pies, all that stuff that some of y'all are very well familiar with. <laughs> hey, I ain't hating on you. I got kids. That's the cheapest snacks in the store. Shoot. <laughs> and he began to pastor, and the church began to grow. And it was so funny. Because uh, out of a lot of the pastors in the city, he had the least amount of education. He had the least amount of prominent background. He had the least amount of everything. And the church is just growing. <laughs> and I used to love, ah, I love sitting around with folk who think God owe them something. The chief apostle to the Gentiles. The man 
who wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. The man who could be bitten by vipers and not be harmed. The man who could take persecution and being chased out of this place and out of that place. The, the man who was able to heal. The man who was able to do miraculous things. He says, I can't believe that God uses me. If Paul is amazed that God uses him, how do any of us think God owes us anything? He says... But this is why God had mercy on me, 16th verse, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Well, do people think there's a great gap between them and you for any reason other than the grace of God? Do people think, yeah, it's about God, but they just generally might not be as good as you anyway. Paul says, no, God uses me so that anybody will know that God can save them. We are billboards. And we're not billboards of how good we are. We are billboards about the goodness of the Lord in Jesus Christ. We are advertising. He said, this is why God did it. This is, God did it so that I might be a prime example to even the worst sinners so that they might realize. That, 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 that means that Christians got to have some kind of opportunity to be around the worst of sinners. I mean, this, 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 this text has changed my attitude. I used to go out to Shively or be preaching somewhere down Fort Knox and ride down Dixie Highway, see all them girly spots. And I used to say, oh, man, mm. they messed up, boy. They real messed up. Especially the dudes. They real messed up. Abusing people, manipulating people. But, but I read this text and I've been meditating on this text for weeks as we've been going through different things in our church and been preaching different places. And, and, and I still say they messed up. But I, have, but I have a great hopefulness as I ride through. They messed up, Lord. But you can still get them. They messed up, Lord, but there's a, there might be a missionary in there. 
There, there, there might be a deacon in there. There, 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 there. there might be a man that can come around to loving his wife as Christ loved the church. There, 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 there might be a future wife in there, Lord. They, 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 they messed up right now, but hey, I used to be so messed up that I realized that you came and got me. That means you can go in there and get them so there's nobody that's too messed up for the gospel. And God says, in order to give good testimony to the gospel, I'm going to make one of the most used to be messed up persons one of my primary spokespeople. So I don't just warn people about the false stuff. And Oprah and Farrakhan and the news media and some of those other people. I don't, I don't just warn people about the false stuff that they teach them. But also pray for them. Because, oh, what kind of glory would God get? If somebody with those prominent platforms said, you know what? I was wrong. Jesus Christ is the son of God and he saved my soul today. What kind of platform would the gospel have for if someone like that on that level would turn and be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? So, brothers and sisters, as we see unbelievers, as we see sinners, let's not look at them as if they are beyond the gospel. Let's not look at them as if they are too far down for Christ to go down into some dark place, into some dark hole and pick them up and bring them out. Y'all know how how it was I grew up in Washington DC Georgia Avenue I know it's messed up in them girly places because I know what they look like on the inside I know it's messed up to be driving home drunk, Brother Gary W. Cunningham, because I know what it feel like. We got to preach a real deal gospel and stop trying to make people think it's about us when it's really about Jesus Christ. Glory and honor to God forever. And ever, he is the eternal king, the unseen one, who never dies, and he alone is God. Paul does a lot of teaching, and often he'll have a little verse or two in the midst of some paragraphs, where I call it him just going into a Pauline hoop. Because Paul teaches stuff, and he reminds churches about the grace in Christ Jesus, and, and, and this is what you really want to do, preacher. Paul teaches the stuff, and, and, and while Paul teaching the stuff, the stuff gets good to him while he teaching it. And so he'd be teaching on justification and he'd be teaching on the nation of Israel and he'd be teaching on election and uh, Jacob and Esau and, and he'll just break out saying, oh, the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his ways and he's beyond finding out. And, and Paul would just break out into a hoop. Well, he breaks out right here and says, glory be to God forever and ever to the one who never dies and is alive forevermore. He just breaks out and praise God. 
if we think about the real deal more, the real deal about who we are, the real deal about what he's done, the real deal about how he has worked in our lives, we won't have to have a praise team to stroke us up. We won't have to have somebody talking about, come on, let's get the house hot. All we got to do is think about the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for us, and our souls will jump. Our souls will bounce. Look where the Lord has brought me from. Brought me out of darkness into the marvelous light. Brought me from being lost to on my way to Zion. Oh, can somebody remember what the Lord has done? I'm not ashamed to say he died for sinners. What do you mean he died for sinners? He died for somebody like me. If Jesus Christ had not died on the cross, I'd still be on my way to hell. I'm not ashamed to say he died for sinners. And I was the chief of sinners. I know there's some good church folk out here. But are there any chief sinners who've been saved by the grace of God? Are there any chief sinners who can say he changed my mind? He changed my heart. The Lord has really, really, really done a work in my life. Sister Margo, my, my, my wife always criticized me because I got a bad memory. I can forget stuff. But I figured out I got a bad short-term memory. Because I can easily run my mind back and remember where I was before the Lord found me. So I can forget 25 I can forget 35, I can forget 40, I can forget some of that stuff, but I never forget 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I remember when I was on the enemy's side. I remember when the world, the flesh, and the devil were running my show. But one day, Jesus, he came into my life. He broke this old stony heart. I was born again by the Spirit, and I have never been the same again but before that moment I was the chief of sinners before that moment I was as dead as I could be but to God be the glory for great things he has done well I'm going to sit down and y'all going to go home but my cousin Elaine from Newport News, Virginia, she always say, sometimes she would call me when I was younger, and she'd say, I heard your tape. She said, that was a good sermon. She said, but uh, why didn't you finish it? She said, ain't no use talking about what he's really done if you're not going to tell people what he really did. But we were so messed up in sin that the Son of God had to leave the glory of heaven and come down through 42 generations 
and be born of the Virgin Mary and take on human flesh in order that he might redeem, redeem God's sinful people. The Son of Man had to walk the dusty roads of Jerusalem and make himself subject to the religious teachers in order that he might save chief sinners like us. The Son of Man had to be falsely accused and lied upon and unjustly condemned in order that he might save sinners like us. The Son of God had to be despised and rejected by men in order that he might save sinners like us. He had to be wounded for our transgressions. He had to be bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace had to be laid upon him. And by his stripes, we have been healed. He had to die on Calvary's cross that you and I might be saved. But all my brothers and sisters, in order to complete the work, he did not stay in the grave. But early on the third day morning, he got up from the grave with all power in heaven and in earth. And one of these days, Sister V, he's coming back to get his church. And brothers and sisters, I know it's been a good 142 years. I know it's been a good 47 years. But can we get honest and say that right now, as the way we see things, he's not even coming back for a perfect church. But oh, I just told you, his work is not done. When the Lord comes again to present the church to his father, somehow the Bible says we shall be presented as a bride without spot or blemish. Somehow the Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be. Somehow the Bible says this corruptible shall put on incorruption. I can't wait. For that getting up morning. I can't wait for that glorious day. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When sinners like us get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing. When liars like us get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing. When whoremongers like us get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be.